Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, the Game Whisperer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lawrence O'Brien, who is joining us from London. Lawrence, how are you tonight, this evening, good morning? What time is it there? Uh, it's about quarter, quarter to one in the morning. Oh. So it's good morning to you. Good morning to you, too. <laughs> it's not sun-kissed today. Nope. It's, it's not? Nighttime. It's, it's nighttime. And what was the weather like in London? You tell me it's always sunny, sh- shining, and... Uh, oh, it was today. It was. It was I'm good sure today. It was. It was. It's, what a it coincidence. Was. I call every time, and it's... Uh, it's it was sunny. cold. Yeah. It was cold. It was cold, though. Well, cold by London standards, because it's a lot of humidity, so we, you always feel the cold more in London. Right. Right. It's that, it's that damp cold. Damp. Yeah. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Well, Lawrence, we are um, here to talk about Kickstarter, and... Uh, today, as we're recording this, this is being re- this will be broadcast on Monday or Tuesday of next week. So, as people are listening to this, a record has been set, a world uh, has been changed, and D-Day Dice has set the record. We still have four hours to go before it uh, it finishes, but it's going to finish at about one hundred and seventy thousand, is my guess. So, phenomenal, phenomenal, and we're going to talk about a little bit about what happened with D-Day Dice. Where did it come from, and will we will we ever see another one like it? But before we do, let's talk about some numbers. November uh, wrapped up. November was a pretty good month. At the time we were looking at it, November uh, did about $281,000, a little more than $281,000 on uh, the game projects. And I think there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 19 game projects successfully funded in November, and they generated $281,000. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Nope, that was a big increase over October, which was a good month. Uh, so we've just been going up and up. In December, though, things are a little different. In December, things are going crazy. And uh, D-Day Dice is leading the charge, but it's not just D-Day Dice. Right now, uh, at this point in December, we have funded $123,000, successfully funded $123,000. So basically, the first weekend of December, we are half of what, uh, what we did in all of November. Uh, about a month ago, I predicted that December would generate a half a million dollars in the funding based on the trends that I was seeing. Right mm-hmm. now, for the month of December, with uh, with one hundred and twenty three thousand dollars in, we have another uh, about a hundred and let's see, we have about two hundred and forty thousand dollars total. This is where I get that number. We've got, uh, I'm going to do my math here, but with D-Day Dice obviously skewing the numbers with 170000 plus, and then you've got uh, Ghost Pirates, it's going to do a little over 10000 You've got Zongsi, which is going to do a little over 17000 You've got a wide variety. That's all just this week, just this week. We've already funded, mm-hmm. every project I'm tracking right now is has already funded on um, on Kickstarter, even though they don't end for another couple of days or sometime this week. So we're right. going to see probably close to, uh, $400,000 by the end of this week will have funded close to $400,000 total. Halfway, Amazing. Halfway through. Now, the question is, so uh, lots going on. You know, a couple of things have done that. Last week was Miskatonic School for Girls, which was a top 10 all-time funded game. Now we have um, D-Day Dice being the all-time highest funding game. It's actually entered the stratosphere so high, it's one of the all-time, all-time on Kickstarter uh, not just games. If you go into dance, I think the highest in dance is 26,000. Music, arts, um, all of those. Kicks, uh, D-Day Dice continues to dominate. A few that it doesn't, film and 
design. You know, you've got some of those tech gadgets that are out there that are generating a quarter of a million to half a million dollars worth of uh, pledges. Right. But uh, that doesn't take away from D-Day dice. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's just incredible. It's just an incredible sum of money compared to the requirement that they stated initially when they started the Kickstarter project. Right now, I'm a, I've been backing it since early on. Were you a back? Are you a backer? Uh, were you a backer of D-Day Dice? I am. I am a backer of D-Day Dice. God bless them. And uh, I must admit, as the uh, the as they've smashed through their original target and and just continued to set records, they've generously added lots of goodies. So whereas your initial pledge may have been a copy of the game and a copy of Atlantic Wall expansion, uh, now you're getting Sets of groovy dice, funky bags. Uh, it's been it's it's really interesting to see their reaction to to being basically overfunded from what their original target was. That is not to go woohoo, it's a load of cash. We're looking forward to a good Christmas. It's like how how can we keep giving back to these people to the pledgers who are putting all all the other Kickstarterers who are who are backing their project, which is fantastic. They have they've uh, they've done a great job with that. There has been a little bit of controversy of how they early on how they funded that. Some people have talked out on the forums that uh, their method of getting early funding kind of sold the farm is the expression that we use. They gave away, gave away the farm by offering lifetime funding levels that basically when it comes right right down to it, they're either lose either losing money on those lifetime funding or they're barely breaking even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Well, they, they, I think you guys have the, the, the phrase, you have to have some skin in the game. Uh, maybe they, maybe they are losing, uh, you know, they, when they, when they literally looked at it, the, the, the idea that they were having these, these levels of pledging, which were, you know, a lifetime, everything we're ever going to do ever. Um, but that, that level of commitment from there, that, that level of them pitching, uh, into the, uh, from a generous perspective of we'll give you all this and everything in it, uh, has, drawn people to the project so you know it's we call it a punt they've they've gone for a punt they've they've done a risk by giving away uh you know the kitchen sink selling the farm maybe but what it's in fact done it's drawn an awful lot of people to the project and in the end what is it now two thousand backers yep two thousand so so you know maybe it was a strategy they came up with and it's been successful so you can't really you can't really complain about that okay i've got an opinion about that how did they get 2000 backers let's talk about that if so i'm i've got a kickstarter project coming out i want to replicate what dday dice did what do i need to do to to do what dday dice did i have an opinion about that what's yours well, it's, it's not like D-Day Dice uh, sat down, put together a Kickstarter project and thought, you know, what can we do? Let's do a game. We'll call it D-Day Dice and, and we'll, we'll pledge for money. This, this is an already a, uh, an award-winning uh, game idea. Uh, that's that's already car- you know got an awful lot of visibility. I mean, it's kind of like we were talking about with uh, Howard Taylor and the Schlock Mercenary. He turns up at Kickstarter with a whole load of uh, existing people and existing uh, relationships behind him. Well, these guys have done the same. They've they've already built a present for their game, a presence rather for their game, and uh, for for the, for the people they are and where they are in the industry and their relationships. And because they've come with that. They're going to have a level of success anyway. On you know, on the back of that, they then put in these early, generous offers. Well, what do you expect? A lot of people, a lot of noise, 
uh, a lot of understanding in the industry already. Already got some awards. I think that's how that's how they've they've uh, initiated a successful Kickstarter. One of the things I've always uh, said about uh, D, uh, Kickstarter is that it's not about it's not a purchasing site, right? It's not a place where I come and buy things. It's a no. place. It's a place, and we we've had this discussion on the show before when you and I have talked. It's a place where I come and emotionally invest in somebody's dream, which is exactly. why we why we call this funding the dream. Exactly. In this case, two thousand backers. Do all two thousand of those people know how good of a game this is? No. No, they don't. No. And honestly, those two thousand backers haven't even talked to people who know how good of a game this is. It's not no. like this game was sold. You know, let's use an example: uh, Dominion, which came out two years ago and uh, hit the hit the streets. People started buying it, and people started talking about the game. Mm-hmm. Right? It was kind of a unique thing, and they got excited about the game. In this case. Is the excitement about the game, or is it about Kickstarter? Well, I think that there's there's an element to that. I've have seen it in a number of other projects that are, that I've uh, or Kickstarter projects I've been in, involved in. So tomorrow we disappear. The uh, the documentary where I was the person who took it four days early over its forty thousand dollar target. It took all bar the last four days to make it to forty thousand, but in those last four days. It made another twenty-three thousand dollars. So where did those twenty-three thousand dollars worth of backers come from? Oh, I mean, there there must be. It's almost like people sniping in eBay, you know, waiting for those last few seconds to make those bids. It's almost like that in Kickstarter. There are people who are looking for projects that look interesting, but also only kind of want to pledge when they know something's going to be successful. And, and I know that sounds weird in some ways. People, you know, for me, it's I look and find something that I find interesting and something I want to be involved with and I, and I pledge it. But there's, doubtlessly, there are people, as is demonstrated by these figures, where they're, they're looking at something, they're attracting to something, but it's almost like they're, they're as much attracted to the noise as they are to the actual Kickstarter project itself. And, that's, and you bring up a very valid point. Um... That, that the that people it's the reason you're saying it's weird, is because you can pledge a Kickstarter project at any point, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't fund, it doesn't cost you anything. No, quite. But there, but because we're not, as I'm going to keep arguing, we're not buying product. We're emotionally vesting. When you pledge a Kickstarter project, not, maybe not everybody. Maybe I'm just talking about me or you. I emotionally invest in that. I want mm-hmm. to see it succeed, and I don't like to be associated with the loser. <laughs> I, I'm that's sorry. Very, that's, that's all right. That's very American. It is. Well, okay. Funny that. That's not a bad thing. It, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't like no. to be associated with a loser. And so if I'm going to pledge something, I want to see it succeed. And so sometimes I will become a spokesman for it. I will start to, uh, to promote it, tell my friends about it, because I'm, I'm vested in it, not necessarily because I really want that. Wow, that's cool. I'd like to have that. Because if honestly, if it was that cool, then everybody would want to have it, and then no. we wouldn't have a sure. problem with the, the funding. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, no, I think you're right. Uh, but then you see, you look at something and you're passionate about it. So you look at that and you and you and you get uh, involved in it, and so much so that you're prepared to go. Hey, you know, everybody, this this is really good. I'd like to say this is good, and I want you to see it because I think it's good, not because it's just the latest thing I'm doing, but th- this is something that I really think is of worth, and I'd like you to see it too. Um, but not everyone on the Kickstarter is is like that. 
I mean, the the people who are coming in late, uh, they're already pledging against something that's successful. So it's almost like they're, I don't know, it's it's kind of, I mean, I use the word weird, I won't use it again, but it, it's it's the, the hype is already there. It's a success. Like you say, maybe they're just, you know, they're only looking to bank winners and it's it's something that's in the right um type of project in the fact it's a board game and they're really into board games but they know it's going to be successful so they are pledging the money to something they know they're going to get which again is not something we do because we look at it from the point of view that i'm i'm taking that risk for something i i want to see succeed right but, but no you're not really taking risk there's exactly. no risk right there's no huh? risk because if it doesn't work you don't get it but then that to us is is and it's maybe from where we come from the type of people we are we like to put skin in the game, and then shout about it. Come on, everybody, this is good. You want to see? And then part of that, for us, part of the buzz is seeing something that we like doing well. Right, right. And so that's, that's interesting. Very seldom I don't back a whole lot of projects. And, and honestly, if I back a project, I'm usually a late backer. Sure. Usually. I'm a late backer, unless it's something that somehow I'm emotionally pulled in. Um, but usually I'm a late backer. And occasionally, you know, if they need me to, like what you did, there's that psychological trigger to get over what I call those tentpole marketing events. Uh, I've talked mm -hmm. about in one of my shows, word of mouth marketing. Um, you know, if we've got a, a, like you said, you just needed to get them to their funding goal. You put in that extra couple hundred dollars and boom, they went over it. Did they need it? No, because the next four, four days, days later, they $63,000 against a 40,000 target. But the thing was is, I did it. Yes, you did it emotionally, and you were able to reach out to them and be involved, and there mm -hmm. was something significant there. With D-Day Dice, as we're watching, so if you have a Kickstarter project that you're thinking of putting out there, you have to realize that there is this trough in the middle. You'll have your early adopters, the people who will get on board because they're excited about the opportunity, and they'll get on board, and then you'll have this, this deep valley that you will go into, this valley of the shadow of darkness where you're going to get a little bit of funding, the hype's going to have worn off, and you're just going to have a. You're going to be panicking. And I've talked to many, and they're probably listening. I've talked to many Kickstarter uh, project owners, who have talked to me in the in the midst of their panic, and I've told them you're going to be fine, mm -hmm. because there are some indicators of why they're going to be fine. Uh, Kickstarter shares with us that the magic number of thirty percent. If you get to that thirty percent, it's a magic number. You'll do fine. Not necessarily. Last week I had two projects fail. Both of them got past the thirty percent. I was tracking it on my Purple Pawn list. That's purplepawn, P-A-W-N.com. Uh, when I tracked it, one of them hit 83% and failed. And uh, I was interested in it. Not that I was interested in it, that I wanted to own it, but it looked interesting. I think it was the uh, Clown Apocalypse, I think it was. That's the one I think it was. I apologize if it wasn't. And then the other one just was at 25. They were at 30%, and they just it never got above that. So it's not a magic number, but it is a it's a it's a tipping point that indicates that once you get that past that number, something psychologically happens in the minds of the people who are potentially going to back you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be prepared if you're putting on a Kickstarter project. You have to be prepared to weather that that dry spell in the middle. But then that's where you make your noise. I mean, you have that initial huzzah. Here we are. And, you know, you, 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 if you like D-Day dice and you, you're crashing into the and through the target significantly and you have that opportunity to up the contents and up the, the, the quality of the products and then give away stuff, and, which is all the, the end everyone wants to be on, in, in that dry bit, 
Is that not when you need to make the noise? It, yes, it is. Um, you should always be making the noise. Yes, you'll make the noise. But here's, here's another thought. You should make the noise when people are listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to shout, uh, shout and shout when nobody's around to, get, to bring people in. But if you shout and shout when people are there, then you, uh, you actually get more bang for your buck. So what do I mean by that? That means that you should, and I've talked about this, you should have planned into your process announcements and noise making when you hit certain pledge levels, when you hit certain percentages, when you hit certain round numbers, when you get to the end. Um, those are, that's when you should be making a lot of noise and you should be looking at that. I've been watching some projects where, you know, I follow them on Twitter. I follow them on Facebook. I follow them on the updates on their Kickstarter page and I don't see their, their quiet. I'm not seeing any noise Mm. and I, and I don't know if it's become, they've become discouraged or what, but they have to come up with noise and they have to come up with creative ways to say, Hey, you know, take a listen. We've got our project. We're making progress. Uh, Stratus games has done a great job of that, uh, with, uh, Dysafari, they started to creep up a little bit. They crossed over to the um, as they as they get higher and closer to thirty percent, and they crossed over that. And then the folks over at Crash Games with their game Rise, they did a great job. They, you know, kind of reset in the middle, realized that maybe they hadn't quite got it right, and then reset, and then just started making noise. And man, they hit that fifty percent really fast compared to where they had been. And so those are some of the things that if you have a Kickstarter project, you've got to look at this and don't just think that what you see in the beginning is what you're going to see at the end. Mm-hmm. And then this last well, I mean, that's the risk, isn't it? Right. You sit on your laurels. If it is good to start off with, then you sit on the laurels, and, and then you start to panic, and then go dry mouth in the panic. You don't make enough noise. And So then there's the next question that we should talk on another, uh, another podcast about how high do you set your goal? So a DD Dice set a goal for 13,000. If they had known they were going to hit 164,000, should they have set a goal at 60,000? My answer is no, and that's what I continue to argue. From a psychological standpoint, people like to see themselves achieve goals. So if you give them a low goal, you hit that one first, the minimum that you need to do, now you give them additional goals. Don't give all your goals up front. Don't give all your stretch goals up front. Don't give everything up front because then you take away the reason to talk about it when you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, dangle the carrot, uh, and I don't mean by telling them the stretch goals. That doesn't dangle the carrot. That actually that opens all, the, all your presents at Christmas are already opened. Don't do that. You know, keep a little bit of, uh, of uh, interest going. But you have to have the idea of what you're going to say. You've got to have that prepared as your campaign before you, before you kick off your Kickstarter. That's right. Whether it's artwork or whether it's uh, a, a die or a bag or whatever, you really need to think about that. You don't have to th- actually publish it early, but you do have to think about it. Sure. All right. Well, we've, uh, our time's about up. We've, uh, okay. we've we've kind of talked about just this. We wanted to have a, an episode about D-Day Dice and kind of talk about it. I don't think we're going to see a new one coming along for a while. This was uh, a convergence of a perfect storm, so to speak, with with the topic. I think the theme of uh, World War II, the simplicity of the game, the, uh, the cheap entry point of $35, which is the magic number according to Kickstarter. It's the average pledge, although their average pledge um, – they had more at $75, but still $35, 500 backers at $35. Um, they had a good video. They had award-winning. They, had a, um, they already had it out in the public. They did a lot of things that all came together, but they also had their game come out when the, the perfect time of the maximum awareness of the potential of Kickstarter. There, how did I say that? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, they caught the wave. If we were surfing, they caught the perfect wave. Uh, right at the right time, uh, 
the next game, we're going to go into January, February, and March, which is a low month usually for funding because everybody's shell-shocked from the holidays. <laughs> and also, you, now, guys, you guys barely have a holiday. Yeah. You have like two days. Yeah. You, nobody, knows, nobody knows how to do Christmas like the, the Brits, right? <laughs> we close the country. We've, we've had relatives over, and it's quite shocking. They turn up and go, all right, it's Christmas Day. What are we going to do? Uh, sit down and eat and watch television because there's nowhere to go because it's all closed. It's all closed, yeah. <laughs> well, there's going to be a lot of fun people with uh, this. The D-Day Days comes out in March. I think four or five of my projects I'm backing come out in March. It's going to be a late Christmas for me. Lawrence, That's going to be fun. Thank you for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. We will do this again uh, next week uh, where uh, I'll try not to keep you up so late because I know it kind of makes you loopy. Oh, well, you know, no no crazier than normal. And we can have a chat maybe about that dragon meat. We can. That would be great uh, to kind of talk about what you saw there at, uh, at the conference there in um, London. Indeed. All right, folks, thank you for listening. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer, joined by my co-host, Lawrence O'Brien from London. And we would just like to say thank you for listening and uh, take care. Take care.